most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner, and we are into the meat of the offseason. We have the draft behind us, so we can start really breaking down these players on each team and how we think they are going to perform uh, and what their value is going to be for the 2022 season. Uh, We're going to start going division by division uh, for the next, uh, I guess, eight weeks or so. And uh, we're going to start with the AFC West. So it should be fun. Sean, what's going on? Uh, Doing pretty good. Uh, How are you doing, bud? I know you're a little bit under the weather last week. You feeling any better? Uh, I am feeling great because I was a little under the weather physically, but uh, I'm also on the biggest heater of my life in betting. (laughs) NBA, right? uh, Yeah, NBA, a little hockey mixed in. Uh, So I'm like, I'm 54 and 19 since April 1st. Uh, So that's that's been good. I'm um, trying to keep that going, but uh, yeah, feeling good and uh, excited to talk about this. Uh, you know, I don't think not much happened in the AFC West this offseason. <laughs> no, not at all. But I am definitely <laughs> excited for our new format. We're going to be able to talk about like every single player from every division over the next couple of months. So uh, really looking forward to this. And yeah, AFC West can't can't beat that. So excited <laughs> we're starting with that one. All right, let's jump right into the Denver Broncos because they obviously. Uh, made one of the biggest potentially franchise-altering splashes of the offseason, signing Rus- uh, acquiring Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, his ADP right now is quarterback 12. Uh, how much does going to Denver help or, or hurt him, do you think? I mean, honestly, it's probably neutral because, let's face it, he's, he's leaving behind DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett. Those are two pretty good wide receivers. Um, you know, the, the Seahawks, unfortunately, they, they like to commit to the run too much. They're a bit slower paced of a team. So maybe going to Denver could help. Um, I, I definitely think his his pass catching corpse is a bit deeper here. Um, maybe not as star studded as Lockett and Metcalf, but, you know, it's, it's definitely deeper. Um, he has a pretty good pass catching running back in Javante Williams. I don't think he really has had one in Seattle for quite some time. So. Um, I, I think it's it's pretty neutral, and that's why you know at QB twelve, I think he is you know uh, value right there. I have him right now as my QB ten. Um, you know, certainly he always likes to start off hot. So um, usually, you know, he starts off hot and then he fades in the second half. Hopefully, that doesn't happen this year. But um, I think if Jerry Judy's legal situation is figured out and he's playing week one, um, I think he's certainly worth it at QB twelve. Otherwise, you know, if the Judy thing gets a bit messy, uh, I'll probably back off a bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Judy's like what the third best wide receiver on this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we'll get to that, but yeah, you're <laughs> probably not wrong. Um, you know, yeah. I, listen, I, I think it's a little harder to get excited about Russell Wilson with this Judy situation um, going to a team with just such a good defense. But at the same time, uh, you know, one thing we do know, and, and is he's always kind of wanted to, to to cook, essentially, for lack of a better term, and they didn't let him do that in Seattle and. 
I think he had a hand in where he ended up. And so I, I don't think Denver's just going to kind of handcuff him in the same way Seattle did. Nathaniel Hackett had a very positive impact on Aaron Rodgers. Remember, you know, it wasn't just LaFleur. It was, it was Hackett as well as that offensive yep. coordinator there in green Bay. And, 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 you know, we were kind of looking at Rodgers for a couple of years in there. Like, what's is he, is he done? Like what's going on with him? And then uh, Hackett gets there. LaFleur gets there. Things turn around. So um, I, I don't discount Hackett's influence, but this is still a quarterback going to a new team. Um, so I, I think his ADB is about right. Just because, We've never really seen him go any lower than like quarterback 13. You know, it's yeah. still he's still been right there, even when he's had struggles to, to parts of seasons or, or whatnot. Yeah, actually, a better way to put it on my end is um, this helps the rest of the team, not necessarily Russell Wilson. It's probably a lateral move for him, but everybody else on the team in the offense uh, gets a pretty big boost. So I will say that about the, the trade. Yeah. You know, after thinking about it more, though, I do think he's getting a downgrade in, in, in receivers. I mean, like, I'd rather take Lockett and Metcalf and nobody than like these receivers that people have told us are good that have really yeah. yet to prove it for more than a, like a stretch of, yeah, of, but of like, a season. He'll have a better wide receiver number three. So like Jerry Judy over <laughs> David Moore, Freddie Swain, <laughs> Freddie Swain, those kind of yeah. guys. So in that regard, he gets that. That's exactly my point is a little bit more depth. But yeah, certainly he, he's missing that star talent and Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, all right, let's let's talk to let's keep talking to receivers first, and then we'll talk to running okay. game. I think that's the easiest way to kind of go through these. Um, Cortland Sutton ADP is wide receiver thirty two. Uh, Jerry Judy is wide receiver twenty five. But as you mentioned, there's a bit a bit of a legal situation going on. It's not we don't have any resolution as of now, mm-hmm. as far as I know. Um, there's a chance he'll be completely fine, um, but you never know. And then uh, you got Tim Patrick at wide receiver 69. Nice. nice. And for some reason, you've written KJ Hamler's name on our outline. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you want to talk about him too. Um, he's wide receiver 91. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, what sticks out to me is that you have Judy at 25 and Sutton at 32 and Patrick all the way down at 69. Like, that to me, I'm always kind of joking but i'm not really joking but i don't think there's as much separation between these three receivers uh, as maybe some other people think so i don't know what do you what do you think about these guys oh yeah so first off i think Cortland sutton um certainly deserves to be the highest ranked wide receiver i think aside from you know jerry judy's legal situation i think he's going to get the biggest boost um from having russell wilson you know, he's their main downfield threat. Uh, he ranked ninth last year in targets of 20 plus air yards uh, with 27, but he only managed to haul in eight of them. That wasn't necessarily Teddy Bridgewater's fault. You know, he was pretty accurate downfield passer, but, um, you know, Sutton only had a 30% catch rate, which ranked 61st out of 74. So he was due for some positive regression anyway. So I think having a guy like Russell Wilson at quarterback is going to help with that. Um, so I think he's going to com- convert a lot of those air yards into receiving yards, which is really good for fantasy. Um, so I love Sutton's upside. I, I'm, you know, I have him as my wide receiver 27. So I think he is a value at wide receiver 32 and, you know, Jerry Judy, uh, I'm probably out at wide receiver 25, even without the legal situation. Um, he just hasn't broken out the way I thought he would. And, you know, his playing time has been capped um, in yeah. his first couple seasons. So that's, that's not good. And last year he scored zero touchdowns and he didn't even see an end zone target. He saw one target inside the 10 yard line 
which is a one yard pass. Um, so he just really hasn't shown, um, you know, the, the stats or the underlying metrics to, to warrant this price. It's all based on upside. So um, even though I love him as a talent, like I'm going to have to pass on him at the ADP. And I couldn't agree more about Tim Patrick just being an absolute steal at wide receiver 69, even without the Jerry Judy legal situation. Like you said, he, he Sutton and Judy pretty much run the same amount of routes. There was actually uh, the last three out of the five final games, Tim Patrick led the team in routes run. Um, you know, granted, he's not going to see as big of a target share. It's, you know, slightly lower, but that's about it. So, you know, I think people are just attracted to the sexier names of Sutton and Judy, but you can invest in this Broncos offense through Tim Patrick at wide receiver 69. You can't pass that up. So he's my favorite sleeper uh, on the Denver Broncos this year. Yeah. Patrick and Sutton last year, Patrick, 1.48 yards per route run Sutton mm-hmm. 1.43 and I mean they were dealing with the same kind of issues quarterback wise uh Judy was the best one at 1.85 so you know I make fun of him you know he should be in theory the best wide receiver they have but you know now you have the legal situation he's he's being drafted the highest and he's never really truly you know given us those numbers that we want his mm-hmm. numbers actually went down from, you know, year one to year two in terms of the yards per game. He went from 53 and a half uh, in 2020 to just 46.7 last year. Uh, he has three touchdowns on 169 career targets. So it, it just seems to me like, you know, yes, he could take a big step forward with Russell Wilson, but um, we're giving him a lot of credit to be drafting him as a top 25 wide receiver, regardless of the quarterback situation where he's never really done it. He's never really done anything in this week. And he's entering year three now. Uh, all right. Uh, and, he, and Hamler, you think he cracks the rotation at all or did? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I threw him in there because of he's the only guy I would consider based on the Jerry Judy uh, legal situation. He's certainly a guy that needs one of the top three to, you know, miss time in order to have value, but certainly in a best ball format, like you could do worse than him at wide receiver 91. Um, he, he has a lot of similarities to Tyler Lockett. So I think that he could thrive with Russ Wilson, but again, he, he needs somebody ahead of him to get her. Unfortunately, uh, Tim Patrick's emergence has kind of made KJ Hamler a little bit useless, but he's still, you know, a second round talent just a few years ago. So he's worth at least mentioning, um, in you know, deeper best ball formats. Yeah, I think, I think what would ultimately happen if Judy missed any significant amount of time would be that Albert Oak Webunam and the rookie mm. Greg Dulcich um, yeah. would kind of form a, a duo and just because Albert Oak played a lot, you know, early on in his career too. I think they would just kind of do it that way. Um, so I, I, you know, what do you think of Albert Oak? He's at t- tight end 19 in ADP right now. Um, and then Dulcich is tight end 43. So we still, you know, rookie tight ends don't really do anything, but yeah. I guess the, kind of appeal of Alberto is kind of worn off a little bit because of that, that draft pick. Um, so what do you think of, of Alberto? Does he offer any value at, at tight end 19? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was kind of bummed the Broncos drafted a tight end in the third round. Who's an excellent receiving tight end in Greg Dulcich, but it wasn't too surprising. We figured it, it could happen, but I mean, Albert Ostock just shot through the roof when they essentially traded away Noah Fant to get Russell Wilson. I mean, that's a double whammy for Albert O. And he's he's producing the pass in limited playing time. So I was super excited about him. He had, you know, low end tight end one potential, but with Dulcich there, you know, he he's more in the tight end 15 range. Um, so I think he's certainly worth it still at tight end 19, like you said. Rookie 
tight ends really don't hit. Um, but Dulcich, he's very talented, so he could find his way uh, on the field as a rookie. And he certainly has injury upside. Uh, I think if Albert O were to go down, Dulcich would be, you know, on the tight end two slash three radar. But um, still, you know, love me some Albert O at tight end 19. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in on Albert O. I think he still has a chance to be a top 12 tight end because yeah. – Again, I think we might be overrating the entire Denver receiving core just slightly. Um, you know, one of them might be out. Uh, and if you're not a first round rookie tight end, that's the way we should put it. Like first rounders, yeah, they get thrown into yeah. the fire sometimes. You know, we've seen it with Kyle Pitts and, and guys like that. But if you're if you're drafted outside the first round, it's really uh, uh, it's really a low probability that you're going to make an impact uh, in year one. So Alberto, I, I think this is a great spot to target him at tight end 19. So there were 44 tight ends last year that had over 30 targets and Alberto was fifth in yards per route run uh, at the position among those 44 guys with uh, a figure of 1.94 that was tied with Rob Gronkowski. And it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was 0.02 uh, ahead of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it was ahead of Darren Waller. Um, you know, the only guys who were ahead of him were Goddard, Kittle, Andrews, and Pitts. So, like, this Albert O kind of sticks out to me as a sleeper at tight end, a position that's really tough, especially if you're waiting on tight end, and a guy who just has the requisite skill set um, to, to kind of jump into that next tier and to be, you know, like, if any, like, we know he's probably not going to be a Kittle or Andrews, right? But, like, who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows? But that's the thing. You're not. You can't discount it. Um, but I mean, not. To, you know, just they're so good that it's hard. Yeah, to they're. But <laughs> rarefied. That next tier, about. though. That next yeah. tier, like he could. You know, it's not out of the question that he could be a Goddard or somebody in that next tier, or like and, a Dalton Schultz, just a guy yeah. that. Yeah, he's top seven tight end. Like he definitely has that kind of upside. Exactly. So uh, I really like him. I, I think he's going undervalued. I don't think the the dosage pick. Uh, hurts him at least this year because um, you know this this team could just end up playing a lot of two tight end anyway. But if they're playing one, I think it's still going to be Alberto. Yeah, and I think the Dulcich pick could be a blessing in disguise because it might keep his ADP at bay. I, I mean, if they didn't take a tight end, it wouldn't surprise me if Alberto is you know going in the top fifteen easily. Yeah. Uh, so the Dulcich uh, pick probably keeps it at bay, which is is a good thing. And last year he had his one spot start. Uh, for no offense, week nine and kind of flopped. So maybe that'll help keep his uh, draft stock at bay. I think that was more fluky than anything, but maybe people start to point to that. Just try to find ways to poke holes in this game. But either way, I think he's he's probably going to be a top 15 tight end this year. Absolutely. Uh, and then for the running game, we have Javante Williams. His ADP is all the way up at running back seven. Now, oh, man, um, Melvin Gordon is back with the team. His ADP is running back 39. I, I, I mean, I, listen, I love, Jav, I love me some Javante Williams. Oh. And this is, this is what sucks about fantasy every year is that we have to get on these podcasts and like, you know, we like guys talent, but then we see where they're getting drafted and we're like, nah, like, you, can't, yeah. you can't, you can't. And like, I, I'm feeling like that with Williams, like as good as he was and is I, like with Gordon back in the picture, and and knowing where Nathaniel Hackett comes from, right? Because he's from yep. Green Bay. Aaron Jones is great, and and we all knew that. And but like you saw how he worked in Jamal Williams in year one, and then AJ Dillon in year two. Like this is what he does. This is what we've seen with 
when Gordon's on, I mean, Melvin Gordon to resign there, like he could have gone somewhere else and probably had a better crack at, at carries. Um, you know, if we're talking like Atlanta or a team like that, Houston, yeah. he chose to come back to Denver. He's not going to be like useless here. So I think, I think RB seven is a little high for Javante, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think his ADP will creep down a bit after the Melvin Gordon signing. I think it's still sort of adjusting to that. And it, it is a bummer because it reminds me of um, back when I first joined the podcast, when Derek Henry uh, was about to take over for DeMarco Murray and they brought in Deion Lewis uh, and his ADP plummeted a, a bit. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here. I think people are well aware of how good Javante Williams is. So I think it is going to stay um, probably inside the top 12. So yeah, it's, it's really hard to take them now that Melvin Gordon is there. I think Javante should have a bigger share uh, going in this year. Last year, it was a true 50-50 split. Both guys were awesome. Um, where, you know, they were both kind of inside the RB20 range week in, week out. And if one of them went down, they're going to be a top 10 running back. Uh, but right now, his, his price is too high, unfortunately. And what do you think about just Melvin Gordon at running back 39? I remember you were pretty high on him going into last year. Everybody just wrote him off for dead yeah. uh, when they take Javante Williams. But he definitely hit at ADP last year. Do you think he's Probably the running back to target right now, ADP 39. Oh, yeah. This is, I love this range of running backs because, yeah. I, like, you, you have to stack up on wide receiver depth early in a draft. And I, I think because people have wisened up so much to like late round quarterback and, and, and how to draft tight ends, I don't think you, you can wait as long. So it's like what usually happens in the way I've been drafting this year and all the drafts that I've been doing so far is I usually get two stud running backs and then I just, wait like I just leave running back alone and so yeah. then I'm kind of forced to draft in this <laughs> range because I can't compromise my receiver depth and I just can't wait quite as like even for like let's say the quarterback 12 13 whatever it just doesn't seem like you can wait quite as long like they're still going off the board you know in, in those top 100 110 picks uh, and then tight end kind of drops off a cliff so um I, I think these guys are going to be very valuable and I mean last year it's kind of the same deal I mean you could get guys like, you know, Jamal Williams, who, who put in a bunch of startable games uh, down here. Like, it's going to be – you're not going to get an every-week starter um, in, in Gordon's range, ne- most likely. But, you know, most running backs miss a few games anyway. So, if Javante misses games, J- Gordon's going to be, like, an RB1, essentially. Yeah, weeks. for sure. And, I mean, they both averaged – Gordon averaged 14.5 touches per game last year. Williams averaged 14.4. So, like, even if you take away, you know, four and give – like, four from – um Gordon and give him to Williams, you know, Williams is up there around 18 and, and Gordon's around 10, you know, 10 touches per week is still not bad, you know, especially get going outside the top, you know, the RB three range into that RB four range. So yeah, I think Gordon is the better value as unsexy as it is right now. And I think Javante, I think he's more like an RB, you know, right outside the top 10 kind of RB, you know, like low, low end RB one um, that, you, that you're just kind of betting on talent with maybe even a, a high end RB two. Um, but RB seven, I mean, that's your RB seven is like, you're essentially saying he's getting like 90, like 85, 90%. Yeah. And let me just ask a question. It's what is it? May it's mid May. So you don't have to be like perfect with this, but if, you know, Javante and Melvin are both healthy, where are you ranking Javante? Is he in your top 10, top 15? I think he's going to be between 10 and 15. Like he's going to be right in that borderline. Yeah. Same here. And then if Melvin Gordon's out, is he in your top five? Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's that's just, basically that's basically what people are betting on, and you're you're giving yourself almost no room for a ceiling. 
taking him at RB7 because most of the time he is going to be sort of in that RB10 to 15 range where Melvin Gordon will probably already be in the top 30, I would say, even when Javante is healthy. And he still offers that sort of, you know, top 12 upside um, if Javante misses time. So, yeah, for me, based on ADP, it's, it's Melvin Gordon all the way, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, Javante is essentially being taken at the Aaron Jones like ceiling. Like that's, yeah, which, I get it. I mean, same, you know, same coordinator coming over. But... Is, I, I mean, Javante's ceiling is probably higher, especially with Russell Wilson um, now, but it's just, man, that, that price is way too high. All right, uh, let's jump to the Chargers. Let's go to the Chargers next. And Justin Herbert is the quarterback four in ADP. Um, do you like Herbert? They, is he a guy that you're taking if you're going to take a quarterback early? Or are you just kind of bypassing that whole early tier of quarterbacks? Or what are you doing with Herbert? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit too early to really tell. You know, we, we typically avoid these types of QBs, right, this um, – I would call it the tier two of QBs because a guy like Brady, you can probably get a bit later who offers just as much upside. Um, but I, I mean, I don't fault anybody that wants to take Justin Herbert QB three or QB four. I mean, he, he, we still haven't seen his ceiling yet. You know, last year he had to learn the new scheme under Joe Lombardi. So, you know, heading into this season, he already knows the scheme. They have the same pieces in place. So, you know, the sky's the limit for him. And he did flash, um, his rushing upside last year, he had that one game where he rushed for 90 yards, I think it was, against the Steelers. I um, mean, had a few other games where he rushed for 20 more. So he does have that sort of rushing ability uh, to go along with it. So um, while I do like his upside, I, I'm typically not targeting QBs after, you know, like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes are off the board. You just might as well wait for a Jalen Hurts or a Tom Brady, whichever one of those guys sort of fall to you. So just that range typically um, is in a void range for me. Yeah, same. Like he might end up ranked as my QB three or QB four. Mm-hmm. He was QB three last year in terms of points per game. So um, certainly not out of question, but there's just such a small um, amount of separation in terms of the points per game or, or the projected points per game between, you know, Herbert and Brady and Kyler and Mahomes and Rodgers and Hertz. And I mean, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, you know, you've got to expect Burrow probably take a, a bit of a step forward. Um, Russell Wilson, like there's just not enough separation to say, like, I'm definitely going to be right by taking Herbert. Cause every year, like you said, it seems like, it seems like the guys that we take a little higher drop mm-hmm. down a little bit. Like, you know, last year, Lamar Jackson ends up as the QB eight and Dak is the, is the QB nine. And, you know, it, it's like it, Mahomes is drops to quarterback five, you know, Rogers is QB six. It's a lot of times the guys on the higher end, because it's so, it's it, the separation is so small it's almost like random and it depends like one or two weeks is going to swing everything. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see a point in taking Herbert there. Um, <laughs> nothing really changed, you know, that's it, it, not a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I, you know, he, he had most of his wide receivers healthy last year. Like if Keenan yeah. Allen or Mike Williams goes down, I yeah. mean, Herbert's still very good, but if he has to throw to like Palmer and Guyton, <laughs> uh instead of DeAndre one of those Carter two guys. And Jason yeah, Moore. I was just going to say their yeah. wide receiver depth, it, like all his downside are things that are out of his control. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like you said, they're thin at wide receivers. So he did benefit from both receivers. I think they, they each missed one game last year, which is very good for him. So he does have that downside. Also their defense should be a lot better this year. So they're a pass happy team, but if, you know, if their defense is elite this year and they, they have a, a lead most of the time, you know, they maybe won't throw as much. So there are things outside of his control, unfortunately that factor is downside, but 
Herbert himself is about as solid as it gets. Like we're not knocking him. It's just mostly about uh, the range he's going in. Why, why we're probably going to avoid him. Yeah. Like he's a guy that I'm probably going to end up betting on for some props. Like I had him for most mm. passing yards last year. I might run that back. Like, Oh, that's a good one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's that he's, but like, as far as the, the, the ADP is right. It's just wouldn't draft a quarterback mm-hmm. there. Um, Keenan Allen, ADP wide receiver 12. Uh, I have to say, I've been getting a lot of him in, in best ball. I still think he should be a top 10 receiver. I mean, if, if you're looking at Justin Herbert as, and, and rightfully so as, as a top, you know, four quarterback, you know, this guy, Allen has not caught any fewer than 97 balls <laughs> in each of the last five years. Uh, he's got 1100 plus yards in four of the last five years, always at least six touchdowns, not a big touchdown guy, but pretty high floor, always six or more um, over the last five years. And just one of the best route runners in the game. Yeah. So, and he hasn't really, you know, earlier in the middle of his career, early in his career, I guess, you know, he missed uh, a lot of time in, over t- a couple a two year period in 2015, 16. He only played nine games of a possible 32. Uh, but since then, he's only missed uh, three games over the last five years. Mm-hmm. So age 30, I don't think that's a major drop off point for, for wide receivers, especially seeing as how he maintained it through his prime anyway, which is, you know, 26, 27. Um, and, and he still maintained it at 28, 29. I don't think you're going to see a drop off. So I don't know. I like I like Keenan out. I think he's underrated here. Yeah, he is as safe and straightforward as it gets. You know, you know exactly what you're getting when it comes to Keenan Allen. A shit ton of targets. He's not going to do much after the catch, unfortunately. And he's going to give you six to eight touchdowns. So his ceiling is a bit capped, but it doesn't matter. You, you know what you're going to get. And I was going to say he's that makes him way more valuable for like redraft leagues, just mm-hmm. knowing you're going to get a solid score each week. Best ball is the only format you can make a case for, you know, going with the guy with the higher ceiling. But Either way, you really can't go wrong with him. I mean, he's Justin Herbert's favorite target. Like you said, he's a great route runner. He's practically open every play. So he's going to get a ton of targets and a pass-heavy offense with one of the best young and upcoming quarterbacks. Like, what more could you want? So, yeah, I'm maybe he'll start to decline a little bit now that he's on the wrong side of 30. But, you know, for this year specifically, he's still going to be a top 12 receiver. Yeah, and it's, I guess he has been, like, declining – but it's almost been slightly. Yeah. yeah it's like he, his yards per route went from like 2.0 to 1.9 to 1.8 the last three years. So it's like, even if he gets to 1.7 this year, it's, you're still going to get like 1100 yards, <laughs> six to eight yeah. touchdowns Sign and like 95 plus catches. <laughs> exactly. So, Sign me up for that. Uh, Mike Williams, wide receiver 17. I can't get behind that at all. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Oh man. I-, I loved it this time last year when I was getting him, what was it? Wide receiver 45. Yeah. And like every single draft I came with Mike Williams in almost every single draft. And I got to admit, it was a blast for the first seven weeks or so. Um, and then it all started to fall apart. I don't know if it really had to do with his, I think he had a knee injury. Um, he came back just like a game or two after suffering that. I don't know if that impacted him, but he definitely fell off significantly. Uh, but that's just going to be the case with him. He's more of the downfield threat in this offense. So he is going to be pretty inconsistent, but it just goes to show he does have, you know, wide receiver one upside every given week. It's just, he can't string it together for, for 17, 17 straight games. So yeah, I'm probably out now that his ADP is probably where it should have been last year uh, around wide receiver 20. But yeah, if, if you want consistency in this range, there's probably better options. But if you're, again, if you're in best ball, he's probably better suited for that type type of format. 
Yeah, in best ball, you know, that that's where it makes the most sense. But I mean, best ball is so like it's it I feel like it gets a little sharper each year. And I think, you know, wide receiver is just so important that even in best ball, I mean, this is a player who had seven games last year where he failed to score seven half PPR points. He had eight yeah. games where he was in single digits. Like even in best ball, like that's hard to overcome from your wide receiver too, you know, from a guy that you're drafting at that spot, because you're usually going to need, you know, three receivers and probably a wide receiver in your flex in best ball. So, I mean, you know, the ups are great, but I, I guess it's just Keenan Allen really caps the ceiling or caps his consistency, I guess you yeah, can say, because definitely. Keenan Allen every week is getting, you know, these eight to 10 targets and these five, six catches. So, you know, yeah, it, it, I get it. I, you know, Mike Williams, he was right around there last year. He finishes the wide receiver 16 in points per game. But I mean, he had 18 plus points in each of the first three weeks or four of the first five weeks, I should say. <laughs> and then from then on, uh, he only topped 18 points twice and half PPR the rest of the way. And I mean, mm-hmm. it was almost as if like defense said, oh, OK, we got to cover Mike Williams. And then after that, it, like he just really didn't register much. I mean, he had like he had the one big game against Cincy. He had the big game on the last day of the season against the Raiders. But uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I think that's too high. I, I'm, I'm not taking him as a top 20 guy just for the consistency alone. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's talk. You know, we still have um, Josh Palmer there. Um, yep. I know you like him. Uh, do you think this is, uh, you know, year two for him? You think he's going to make a leap forward and kind of take over that number three wide receiver role? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's uh, a definite, but it's certainly a possibility. And where he's being drafted, that's all that matters. Um, you know, I thought he'd be able to leapfrog Jalen Guyton uh, a little bit earlier uh, than he did last year. But down the stretch, um, weeks 14 and 16, he finally saw over 90% route share. That was because, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were out each of those games. So, um, he was able to produce um, when he had the playing time. He posted a uh, five catch for 66 yards in a touchdown game and another five catch for 43 yards in a touchdown game in the other. So he definitely flashed the upside. Um, whereas Guyton's more of just an empty route runner. He doesn't really offer upside. <laughs> I think Palmer does. And they've been looking for a true number three wide receiver for quite some time. So I, I just think he's worth investing in that upside. Uh, like I said, Jalen Guyton's still there. It's not a definite that Palmer will leapfrog him, but they took him in the fourth round last year. So they they definitely invested in him. I think he does have the upside you're looking for in that range. And if either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams were to miss time, like you said, each of them only missed one game last year. So uh, they, they had pretty good injury luck in that regard. So Palmer, you know, he does have that baked in injury upside already, uh, but I think he could become their, you know, eventual number three wide receiver. So. Uh, sign me up at wide receiver 65. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely got a monitor in camp. Like, I, 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 de- I do need him to beat out Guyton, though. Like, if, he, if he's not beating out Guyton, it tells me that <laughs> they just problem. want – Well, it just kind of tells yeah. me that they want that Guyton type on the field. Yeah. Like, the speed, you know, deep route, probably going to run 20 routes, not get targeted, but on that 21st, he goes for 80-yard score or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the Demarcus so, Robinson decoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, – Gerald Everett is there now. Uh, he's a tight end 22. Is he, you think he has any shot at being fantasy 
relevant this year. He's just going to kind of be like Jared Cook, kind of just like out of the picture outside of uh, Tatum. Well, I thought Jared Cook was decent last year. I, I think we were both kind of on him at his ADP last year. And he had, he had some spike weeks, but he was a bit older. At least Everett, you know, he's basically entering his prime. Uh, his receptions and receiving yards have gone up each of the first five seasons. And I don't see why that trend won't continue. I'm projecting him um, right around 55 catches for like 550 yards. Um, so just being in this offense alone raises his ceiling. Um, again, if either Mike Williams or Keen Allen were to go down, he would be the number two or three target. Um, so he, he has a ton of upside. Last year was definitely disappointing for him in Seattle. I think he got banged up along the way but i think you can definitely say he's he's a good value at tight end 23 nothing to lose in that range yeah he should be a little more efficient than cook both of them had 48 catches and four touchdowns last year but cook had 20 more targets so oh wow yeah if, if they, <laughs> cook was, they were both tied for the te19 but um wow. so you know nothing sexy but there's a little bit of a there's some room for everett to kind of uh bump in terms of his efficiency if he gets more targets uh he, he would be a bump up in efficiency i mean over overcooked so um uh, it's something i'm watching but yeah i don't it's still a stretch to for him to probably get to like the top 12 yeah but, um definitely you got to kind of monitor especially if your draft uh plan revolves around kind of punting the tight end position uh, yeah i'm gonna need to take multiple stabs uh, a little later on. Do you think he's going to be like a, let's say 65%, 70% plus routes run guy? Or do you think like guys like Parham or even Trey McKitty, who's, you know, entering year two, do you think they're going to eat into that quite a bit? No, I think you're going to see the same usage as cook, maybe even a little more. Cause he's younger. Mm. Um, like, cause a lot of it also depends on, you know, the more Palmer kind of uh, takes a step forward. I think the mm, less yeah. you have to go with like those, three, two, three tight end sets when you don't want to. And um, yeah, Trey McKinney's not factoring into this in any way. <laughs> okay, in, good my, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, it, like that's good. If, if we can chalk, you know, uh, Everett up for 70% plus routes run. Yeah, I'm all in on that. Uh, Austin Eckler, uh, he's the RB4. I, I think the interesting question for, for me with him is, I think RB4 is the right spot in terms of ranking at running back, but uh, you know, his ADP and overall is like between six and seven. So it's, I guess like how many wide receivers would you take before him? Mm. Is it just Cooper cup? Uh, is there anyone else um, in, in that range? That's a good question. I, I I'm big on loading up on receivers early. So I think I would take guys like Justin Jefferson, um, maybe Devonte Adams. Like it, it's definitely, you know, close. I, I think that, Maybe Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson and then Austin Eckler for me. I think you can't go wrong with Eckler. I mean, he's basically a workhorse back and one of the best offenses in football. Uh, his pass catching ability just makes him, you know, game script proof. So I do love having Austin Eckler on my team. Plus, I mean, he's a fancy football <laughs> yeah. you know, addict as well. What was it, week 16 when he was questionable? He basically uh, told people, I'm starting Justin Jackson this week. Like, you made it pretty clear he wasn't going to play. Like, it's nice to have a guy like that that caters to fantasy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like having Eckler on my team. I think he's still in his prime, so there, there's no reason to shy away from him. Um, so he's he's actually my RB3, so I'm a little bit ahead of ADP. So uh, I, I would take Eckler probably in my top uh, five or six. Wait, so who do you have ahead of him? Just uh, 
Taylor and is it McCaffrey or is it Henry? Um, that is a great question. Let me see. I have <laughs> one of those. Oh, I have McCaffrey. No, I have McCaffrey uh, pretty clearly ahead of Eckler, actually. And then I have Eckler and Henry basically in uh, tier three. They're, they're basically tied, but I would lean Eckler over those two. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I, I even have trouble taking Eckler over Cooper Cup. Like, I know, I mean, uh, Cooper Cup over Eckler. Like, I know Cup, like, projection-wise is going to come out ahead, but the drafts I've been in, you know, best ball early on, just I feel like you need two stud running backs. And I feel yeah. like you need to get them in the first two rounds because the wide receiver value, it does drop off too. So you, you need to kind of load up, but it's really hard to kind of get that, that second running back, you know, even in the third round and on, like, I feel like you're just kind of taking more risks and where there's like lower risk wide receivers. So yeah. Eckler is the guy that, yeah, like I'm, I'm taking him, you know, RB3, RB4 at worst. And uh, yeah, probably in that top four. Like I'm just, I'm just going running back heavy. Now that I think about it, I'm right there with you. I had my redraft brain on. Sorry. When it comes to baseball, absolutely. Because, you know, redraft, I can finagle the waiver wire in season. I can pick up that backup running back that's going to become a starter. But yeah, best ball, it's one and done. You get to draft and that's it. So I do like to prefer, you know, getting a couple stud running backs early. So in that situation, yeah, I, w- I would go Eckler over any wide receiver right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that it even applies to redraft for me right now, just because like at this point, I don't, yeah. I don't, I just don't see where I'm getting this running back guy. <laughs> now things may open up, you know, as the season, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the frozen pond is, is looking hella frozen again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Love Eckler. I think, you know, 20 touchdowns last year. And, you know, everyone always questions his durability. He did miss six games in 2020, but one missed game uh, last year, no missed games the year before, uh, two missed games the year before that, and no missed games the year before that. So he really hasn't missed a ton of games in his career. He's one of the strongest guys in the league. Like, if Mm -hmm. he does one-arm pull-ups, like, (laughs) he might be the strongest pound-for-pound, like, player in any position in in the league. So, yeah, Uh, let me see Eckler. Um, Let's talk about Isaiah Spiller because – you know, he was a guy that was drafted um, in the fourth round out of Texas A&M, has a chance to be, um, I, I, to spell Eckler, Justin Jackson, no longer on a team. What do you think of Spiller going at RB44? Yeah, I think RB44 is probably too early, um, but he is, I would say he's the heavy favorite to be the direct backup, so to take the Justin Jackson role. Uh, which comes with a ton of value. I mean, we saw Justin Jackson in week 16 when Eckler had to, you know, miss the game against the Texans. Justin Jackson was the RB1. I mean, he just went off that game. So, uh, yeah, Isaiah Spiller has that injury upside. But, you know, running back 44, you'd want the running back to be the clear backup. And right now, Spiller does, you know, he has to compete with Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree to a certain extent. And I think he will be able to, to hold them off, but it's still up in the air. It's going to be a camp battle. So it's not a done deal. I, I would be safer. I would say drafting him maybe in the RB 50 range makes more sense. Um, but uh, again, he, he would have a ton of upside if he were to win that number two job heading into the season. Where would you have him ranked if he won that job? Cause I think that's the really oh, question that matters at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like if he, if he comes out of camp, they're just like, he's without a doubt the RB two. Yeah. Then we're talking in the RB 35 to 40 range. So that's the, the odds of that are being baked in. Yeah. So um, I, 
yeah, I yeah, it's kind of splitting the difference, right? It's uh, yeah. The, well, the recent the recent ADP has them around RB thirty five, so uh, that might be sharper drafts that I'm looking at, but that would be way too high as of now. Um, but certainly, I would say in the RB forty five to fifty range right now would probably be the time to grab them. Yeah, it, but this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's running back kind of drops off a cliff. Like, you know, you yeah, he's, he's RB35 because no one knows who the fuck to take. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Right. Like, everybody. So, like, I, I don't hate it. I mean, if he's in, if you can get him in the 40s, even at that, like, I, I, I don't mind it as, like, I think, I think the, the, at least right now, the draft plan for me is like, get stud running backs. And it's just like, you know, after that, you're just taking kind of upside swings later. Like, I yeah. don't, you know, if you can, if you can ha- happen to get like a guy like Melvin Gordon, yes, but there's not even too many of those guys, you know, that those like guys that are going to be kind of the one B guys. Like if you can get one of those, you're good, but then you're still probably going to need, you know, two more running backs on your roster after, after that. And I think Spiller is a guy I'm certainly fine with just taking that mm-hmm. shot on and, you know, it, it could go poorly, but, and if I'm an Eckler owner, I'm definitely, you know, he's essentially oh, yeah. going to be not free, but I think it's good. Um, it's good kind of uh, insurance because I, like, let's be real. Josh Kelly is not going to win that. It, like it, Roundtree, maybe <laughs> better not. Yeah. He's more recent, you know, got <laughs> like, but like he, it's like, I don't think they would have drafted Spiller if they were happy with Roundtree. So, I mean, I think he's in a good spot. Yeah. Ever since we saw Roundtree in person, I've been off <laughs> him personally. Remember he, uh, he took that, that run. Uh, it looked like he was running a quicksand. He just fell over yeah. uh, for about a one yard gain. I've been off of him ever since then. Um, but you know, when it comes to just the backup running backs, I prefer the guys in that range, maybe like, uh, I don't know if this guy's in that range, but Chase Edmonds, who has an actual chance. Well, he's higher. Be, he yeah. is. Uh, how much though? Like 10? Uh, he, he dropped a little bit, but he's still, you're yeah. still usually spending like RB 30 ish type. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. But I, I, I like guys that actually have a chance to be the lead back. I, I mean, Spiller needs Eckler to miss time to yeah. be playable or, you know, like a true backup where he's going to be a top 10, no matter what, like Alexander Madison in that range. I prefer guys like that. Then I'll get to a Spiller, but there's yeah. certain guys that I look for. Once all the starting running backs are off the board, the definitive starting running backs, uh, I do have like a hierarchy and how I kind of attack the backups and Spiller's sort of in that tier three of those. No, that's totally fair. He's uh, it's yeah. we're talking about this in May and he hasn't won anything. So yeah, it's, that's, you got, yep. it's another situation. You Kind of got to monitor um, in camp. Uh, all right, let's jump to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback two in ADP. Uh, that seems too high. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to say that, but maybe it's not too high because Patrick Mahomes is great. But I mean, we already saw defense is kind of figuring them out last year a little bit. And then mm. like Tyreek Hill just turned so many big plays and like, maybe you have a deeper wide receiver core this year and you can spread the ball around and that might alleviate some of the things that they kind of figured out last year, but you're still missing a dude who can put up like 200 yards in the first quarter. And I think ultimately when you're drafting a QB two, like having a guy like Tyreek Hill baked in is part of the reason you draft Mahomes at quarterback yep. two. So like for me, uh, it's kind of like Herbert. It's like maybe the eight, maybe the ranking's not even wrong, but I think the like where he's going in terms of drafts, you know, in those first few rounds, I, I can't get behind it. Yeah, that is the perfect assessment. And I, I have him QB2, not going to lie, I have him QB2, but he's not like, oh, is it Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes number one? It's Josh Allen number one by far, not even close. And now Patrick Mahomes is sort of in that tier with Herbert, 
Lamar, uh, Murray. You could even throw Tom Brady in there. <laughs> yeah. So it, he's just he's in that tier now. And like you said, without Tyree Kill, his his ceilings lowered. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's still elite, but he is turning 33. So, uh, you know, he's going to decline at some point. Um, and like you said, defense has figured him out. So just unfortunately, his ceiling is just a little bit lower. Um, so even though he's my QB two, it's it's very close between him and QB six now, which is uh, a new thing uh, for me in terms of my projections. Yeah, exactly. That That's, that's kind of what it is. It's like Mahomes could be the QB two. He could be the QB eight. I mean, especially without Tyreek Hill here to like score long distance touchdowns yeah. regularly. I mean, Tyreek Hill had like, let's see, he had 28 touchdowns in his career of 40 plus yards. Uh, most of which were with Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, that's that you just don't replace that, um, you know, in terms of the numbers and that leaves open because Mahomes isn't running as much as Kyler or Lamar. So it's like now it leaves Mahomes open to where, if his passing numbers aren't like top one, top two, then mm-hmm. he could easily end up falling to like QB eight or nine, just because yep. of the running quarterbacks, you know, like Lamar could bounce back, you know, even though it's going to be harder without Marquise Brown, Dak could bounce back. Like there's just, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I think it's a big risk to take Mahomes uh, that high. You know, it's, it, I think it's, 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 it's going to be good for him that he can kind of spread it around, but that's, that doesn't necessarily translate to big numbers. Yeah, I, I will say I, I did think they did a good job bringing in a few wide receivers. Uh, we could transition to those, but you know, bringing in guys like Juju, uh, MVS, and drafting Sky Moore that'll help soften the blow with Tyree Kill. But obviously, there's only one Tyree Kill, so at the end of the day, it's a downgrade for Patrick Mahomes heading into 2022. Yeah, let's talk about these wide receivers. Juju's at wide receiver 27 in ADP. Uh, Sky Moore 39, MVS 51. And then Miko Hardman, 58. And, uh, you know, I'm curious what you think about these guys, because as far as we know, outside of Juju, we don't. And, and I guess MVS is going to start like we're Skymore's not even guaranteed to be a day one yeah. starter. Like a lot of the beat writers I've read seem to suggest that, like, they think Miko Hardman's going to kind of jump into that role. But he, you know, he's always been a disappointment. So, like, how are you kind of <laughs> ranking these? these guys even just in their pecking order before we even get to the ADP. Yeah. So Juju is definitely the, the safest bet. Uh, I think he's going to be sort of a dollar tree Keenan Allen uh, this year, but I, it seems like 10 years ago uh, we were, remember we were ranking Juju Smith Schuster and Antonio Brown, in the top five yeah. uh, every week with the Steelers. That seems like 10 years ago, right? He's only 25 years old. I mean, he's younger than Terry McLaurin. So He's still like basically entering his prime. So I love Juju heading into this offense. Uh, again, I, I don't think his ceiling's very high. Total <laughs> yards per catch. Yeah, 8.6 uh, the last two years. Not, yeah, exactly. Not, not, not yeah. optimal. He's not going to be clearing 14 or anything like that. But either way, he should see a ton of targets. Although I will say the one concern, the only concern really, is that his route tree is kind of overlapping a bit with Travis Kelsey which could hurt a little bit, but again, probably not something to worry about. Uh, at the end of the day, Mahomes is going to have to throw it to somebody other than Travis Kelsey. So uh, I think Juju's going to see a ton of targets this year in fantasy. Uh, but, you know, he's been playing with, uh, you know, declining Big Ben the past couple seasons. He's been dealing with injuries. I, I think the change of scenery is going to be huge. Uh, so I love his floor. So I, I, I love getting him at wide receiver 27. I think that's the perfect range to get him. And I would rank him, yeah, I'm ranking him like wide receiver 23, but he has such a high floor that I would draft him ahead of that. 
but I, I think Juju is by far the safest bet out of this group. Yeah, like I'm okay with him at wide receiver 27. Like that's that seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, all right. What, what about these other guys though? He's, like, I, I mean, I think MBS seems like the safest bet to run a good amount of routes because they signed him to a fairly substantial contract uh, in free agency. Yeah. But like, he's also not a guy that necessarily is going to command a high target per route run. And we kind of saw last year that like even Tyreek, but you know, especially the other guys, no one really ran more than like 70% of routes. Like they just kind of rotated everyone else in. And that's kind of my fear you know, maybe even with Juju a little bit, I doubt it. I think he's probably going to, should be on the field. But, like, that's kind of the fear, right, is that all these guys end up running between, like, 50 and 70% every week. And we, we keep <laughs> yeah. waiting for that week that, like, Sky Moore is going to jump above 50 because <laughs> he's the most efficient and clearly the best one out of the remaining three. And so, like, I don't know. Do you see any value on Moore, MVS, Hardman uh, at their ADPs? Yeah, so Sky Moore, like, he's the sexy pick because he's a rookie. But I agree, he's just his ADP is just assuming that he's going to beat these three out. And I think it's going to be close between the three of them. I think MVS, we, we know we're going to get, uh, he he's remaining in Hackett's scheme. So it would not surprise yeah. me if he has the same role, you know, he's going to have the occasional spike week. He is the poster child when it comes to best ball. I mean, he's still a great best ball play. You just never know when he's going to get those spike weeks. So um, I think he's probably a, a great bet at his current ADP and best ball. Basically the same role um, in, in this offense as he was in Green Bay, but uh, I think Sky Moore his, his ADPs probably a bit high. So I think the perennial disappointment, Michael Hardman, is probably my sleeper pick of these three. Again, we're just kind of <laughs> throwing darts here, but he's always sort of been the Tyree Kill replacement, and we've been kind of disappointed when other receivers go down and he doesn't really see a boost and, you know, routes run or usage, but whenever Tiger kill has missed time, he has stepped up. You remember that, that game, um, I think it was week 18 where Tyree kill tweaked his heel in pregame and he was sort of a decoy, you know, played a few snaps, uh, but that was a game that Nico Harmon went off for eight catches and 103 yards. So he's always sort of been that, you know, natural Tyree Hill replacement. So I think he has some sneaky upside. Uh, to finally hit this year now that everybody's moved off of them. So um, sort of in that wide receiver 65 range is the perfect time to take a flare on a guy like Hardman. Yeah, it's, I think I'm like probably end up going to end up um, kind of fading everyone, but Juju just because I, <laughs> I mean, in this, when I'm drafting wide receivers, first of all, I think you need to be aggressive early on with wide receiver, but I, I think in this range, I'm always looking for players that can like that have a path to like be in that, their team's like number one option or, you know, once those guys are gone, the pass to the number two option. And with Travis Kelsey as like a target hog. And then I think Juju is going to kind of be that second guy. I think the highest you're looking at is the number three option, but then there's three guys competing for that number yeah. three option. So it's like, I, I, I just see more of a floor to busting with the pick. Whereas like, even yeah. if you get it right, you're still getting the number three option on the Chiefs. And I mean, that was like Miko. Um, that was like, yeah, Hardman or Watkins or, you know, who, like those guys uh-huh. don't necessarily pop. So yeah, I, I'm probably going to fade everyone not named Juju uh, in that wide receiver room. Yeah. That's a, that's a bold move. I, I mean, <laughs> is getting it? the number three tar- giving getting the number three target of Patrick Holmes is a feat. I'm willing to, to accept a challenge. I'm willing to accept. 
Um, and you know, I, I've been burned a lot on Michael Hardman and probably going to get burned again here, but I'm just saying in that range, sign me up for, you know, Patrick Holmes, number three target flyer. Uh, so that's, that's why I think in that range, hard, this is ultimately just give me the cheapest of the three. It's sort of like the four ers backfield. Just give me the cheapest of the three, because like you said, it's, it's like a one in three chance for every guy. So that's, that's kind of what I'm going with here. All right. Uh, at the running back position, we got Clyde Edwards, Elaire, RB28, Ronald Jones, RB41. I mean, Edwards, Elaire is like, is it like, what's, what do you think of him? Is like, is he going to be startable again ever? Like, is, is it just over? Like, because I mean, the last couple of years, his first couple of years in the league, we were drafting him as a starter and we were, you know, we were saying, okay, you know, he hasn't quite lived up to it yet, but he's on the Chiefs. <laughs> And, and and now it's just like it's like all right now ADP is kind of caught up and he's outside the, the the top twenty four so I mean what are your thoughts on on Ceh? Yeah, it's it's disappointing because I mean how exciting was it to see him go to the Chiefs in the first round just a couple of years ago and certainly he's he's shown flashes of his RB one upside. I mean how could he not in this offense? But just yeah, he I mean he hasn't been able to hold off guys like Daryl Williams or even Derek Gore at times. So it, it's been bad. And so now with Ronald Jones entering the mix, I think that CEH unfortunately is part of that frozen pond where, you know, he's probably ranked appropriately in the RB28 range, but still like his downsides too, too massive to, to, you know, really roll the dice in this range. So I rather, I hate to say it, I rather wait to get Ronald Jones to invest in this backfield. Uh, and that pains me to say, but CEH, you know, he's supposed to be a good pass catching back, but last year he only saw a target on 12.4% of his routes run, which is abysmal for a guy that's supposed to be a pass catching running back. So there's just not much to like about CH, unfortunately um, in in his first couple of seasons. So yeah, I'm probably off of him at his current ADP. So I would say out of all the chiefs, he's probably the the potential bust uh, for me. You know, I don't know if it was, was it the injuries late in the year? Like they just stopped using him late in the year. I mean, his first uh, eight games, he had double digit uh, carries in all of them, except the one he got hurt. And then um, from week 15 on, he didn't get double digit carries once, you know, throughout the playoffs, yeah. you know, remember Jarrett McKinnon ran and we popped up and Daryl Williams was right outside the top 20. Cause he just played in every game. So, ah, uh, you know, I, I think Edwards, he wears somebody to monitor because I think mm-hmm. if he's getting like those 10 carries and three catches a game, like, you know, you could do it. He's got some upside 10 plus carries a game. Uh, it's just that the usage drop off would just stark over the last like four games yeah. that he appeared in. And so, I mean, we did see him, you know, 14 carries and three catches in week one, you know, 13, car- 13 touches in week two, 19 touches in week three, 16 touches in week four. Like it's not as if he's never did done it before. It's just can he stay healthy doing it? So he's a guy I'll monitor in camp. I'm not ready to completely write him off yet. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is some value on Jones here. But I, I worry about Jones too because I and I, I know they don't have anyone on the roster right now like this, but like I just worry that if like if like Edwards Ware goes down, do they want another like McKinnon type, you know, like another mm-hmm. guy who's more versatile and Jones still kind of takes a backseat. That because like Darrell Williams like we think of him as a plotter, but they loved him in the passing game. Like he was yep. a good, good pass blocker. He caught like that crazy touchdown against the Raiders. I think it was like on a deep shot. 
Like, so I, I worry about Ronald Jones. I think, I guess he's priced kind of right, but uh, I think this is a situation to monitor and, and see how they're using both of these guys and what they're, what they say their plans are. Cause um, Andy Reid backfields are always kind of crazy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. And you know, Ronald Jones offers absolutely nothing uh, in terms of the passing game. So he obviously has a capped uh, ceiling, but you know, he does offer some sneaky upside at his current ADP. He's only 25 years old. It seems like he's, you know, in his thirties by now, but he's still young. He's still got some pop. He's going to be behind a good offensive line. So he could be a home run threat or, you know, the goal line back. So he, he has some paths to, you know, being startable, even if CH is healthy. Um, and this has been a ball, ball backfield, even when CH is healthy. So just, I, I, I like the idea of getting Ronald Jones at his current ADP. And if you remember last year, I was laughing at his ADP because uh, I, I just thought, you know, how is he going to leapfrog uh, Leonard Fournette? But this is a different situation. Um, so, you know, he's probably not going to be an RB2 at the end of the year, but certainly I think he can easily outdo this ADP uh, if he can form some sort of committee with CEH. Okay, I won't make that joke about him looking like he runs like he's in his 30s. Uh, <laughs> there are some times where he does. He had that really good like year that uh two, like last year, like not this not not 20 2020 the the, the covid 2020. year. He had that 98 yeah. yard run. He looked really good that year actually. I think he averaged over 5 yards. Yeah, 5.1 yards per carry, but uh yeah, uh this is uh I I just I think this Chiefs offense is going to be a little bit overdrafted mm. period because we're all trying to like figure out how to get value with, you know, that big Tyreek Hill void and yeah we all might be end up end up a little disappointed outside of Kelsey, you know, who is the tight end one and yep. rightfully so. So yeah, that's my view on that. Uh, let's go to the Raiders. Um, start with the quarterback, Derek Carr. I mean, he's QB 15 and ADP. He's got Devontae Adams. He's got Darren Waller and he's got Hunter Renfro. So he's got, and not only that, but he also, they also got rid of Brian Edward. So <laughs> Like you literally, if anyone's gained the most in separation, like this off season, yep. like you have like essentially three of the best separators at their positions and, and you, and you traded away one of the worst separators at their positions. And you also got rid of Zay Jones, which hasn't, he hasn't been great most of his career. He was pretty solid last year. Um, but um, I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, Derek Carr could probably be like that, that one quarterback who's like not a runner who like sneaks into the top 12. Right. Yeah, I think I think so. And, you know, he already flashed uh, some pretty big upside last year. If you remember, uh, you know, five of the first seven games last year, he threw for over 320 yards and two touchdowns. Um, And then he started to fall off. And it wasn't too surprising because he lost uh, Henry Ruggs, unfortunately, and Darren Waller suffered a multi-week injury. So getting a guy like Waller back is huge. And then getting a guy like Devontae Adams is huge. So uh, I don't know how defenses are going to be able to cover all three guys, um, but that's good news for Derek Carr. And, you know, he's very, his upside is limited because he doesn't rush much as a quarterback. So um, I think his ADP is fair, but certainly has a high floor. And I think he could offer, you know, low end QB one upside week in and week out. So I, I love Derek Carr's current ADP. Yeah, I think Carr's, you know, obviously still not ideal especially in redraft, if you're getting a quarterback that doesn't have that rushing ability, especially if his his name is not like Tom Brady or somebody (laughs) like that. But I will say if you are kind of, you find yourself in a position where you feel like 
you know, your draft is going to work out better by doing that extreme, like weight on quarterback and literally being the last person to draft your starter. Uh, and, and you find yourself with Carr. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't hate it because you're probably going to have a strong roster um, surrounding him. You're probably going to have a stud tight end, maybe even Waller. So um, yeah, not the, not definitely quarterback 15. I think there's some value there. I think he could sneak in kind of be like a Stafford, you know, last year, it'll be that one guy who's got that, um, that, that pocket passer who's not totally elite that could still put up big numbers. Um, Devonte, wide receiver five. What do you think? Uh, I love it. Uh, I have him wide receiver four. It's a downgrade, you know, going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, let's face it. But with, with Devonte, it's never really about the quarterback. He was able to put up top 10 numbers uh, with Brett Hundley yeah. under center for multiple weeks. Um, so that's not the case, but the downside is that he's going to have to share targets with guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. So that does ding him a bit, but um, he he's so good that you, you can't downgrade him too much. So even at the end of the day, I'm still projecting him just over six receptions a game. He's still going to have, you know, 10, 11 touchdowns, you know, probably not as much as he would in green Bay, but that's still top five wide receiver. So g- give me, you know, Devonte Adams at wide receiver four. Um, and yeah, like he's probably going to produce, a, you know, top five wide receiver season as always, but, um, it, it is certainly a slight downgrade. Yeah. I think the touchdowns are obviously a concern. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, no one throws touchdowns like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> dude just, right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I could see Adams kind of similar catching yardage numbers, but, uh, maybe, maybe single digit touchdowns instead of the double digits that he's done in five of the last six seasons. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm on board with him as top five. He's another guy's just so safe because he could get open and that's all you need at the end of the day. You know, he can get open. He's going to, he's going to demand a ton of targets. Uh, I think it's right to knock him you know down from like wide receiver one or two to four or five. That's fair. But yeah, if he's dropping any more than that, I'm taking him every time. And even at his, I think he's properly valued where he's going. Don't mind taking him there either. Uh, Darren Waller, tight end four. Um, Adams, I guess, you know, how much do we worry about Adams cutting into his target share? Is he still in a weak tight end? Is he, is he, you know, are we taking him over Kittle? Are we taking him over Pitts? Like where, what do you think of Waller this year? No, I, I still like Waller at uh tight end five. I have him and Pitts essentially tied. So they're, they're my tight end four and five uh, in tandem. I, I think it's, it's less of a downgrade for Waller. He, he did decline a little bit last year. We have to remember he was a late bloomer. He's turning 30 this year. So he is sort of on the decline, but uh, with position scarcity at tight end, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I, I think the one guy we didn't mention him, but the one guy I think it probably hurts the most is Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Cause he does rely on target share. Um, and so he's going to be hurt quite a bit. Um, but when it comes to Hunter Renfro last year, his 300 yard receiving games were all when Darren Waller was out. So, I mean, Renfro was putting up massive numbers when Ruggs and Waller were out. But I think with Waller back and with Adams in the mix, I think, you know, Renfro is going to be closer to a four to five catch game guy with limited touch on upside. So I think out of those three, uh, I think Renfro takes the biggest hit from the Adams signing. Yeah. And I mean, we also have to remember there is a new offensive coordinator in, in town, you know, Josh McDaniels is there. So, I mean, there's a chance that, this is like the, you know, Renfro's just Julian Edelman and Javante Adams is like Randy Boss. And like, you just kind of, you have that, you have a crazy, crazy offense, but you know, so I'm, I'm intrigued, but yeah, I have a hard time, you know, going any higher than wide receiver 40 
41 with uh, Renfro, which is where he's mm-hmm. being taken. Um, I, I, yeah, I think there's a chance you could just have like these, like they, this offense supports three guys, but that's still, that means Derek Carr is going to, is going to kill. So yeah, um, that, that means Derek Carr is top 10 quarterback. Yeah. So, but I mean, I am intrigued. Like I'm not ready to, even with Renfro, I'm not ready to completely write him off because I think it's a new offense. So, and mm-hmm. you, you know, Adams, Renfro, Waller, like they're all, it's all, it's going to be a synergistic effect, to, you know, in the sense of real football where, you know, somebody's going to be open on every play because the other two are going to be demanding coverage. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be following that one too. Um, but I think this offense, like I'd rather invest in this offense where if everything's going to be a lot more concentrated, like I know, even if Renfro might not be as good as he was last year, like I know he's going to be like that third option versus yeah. Kansas city. where like, I have no idea who's going to be the third option. Realistically speaking, <laughs> you know what I mean, like I, I can make an educated guess and so could you, but the reality is it could change from week to week it's probably not going to change in, in Vegas from week to week. Um, and then Josh Jacobs, he's the RB 23. Uh, I guess the question with him is, you know, how do you see his passing game involvement? You know, there were times last year where I remember we were betting like the over on his receptions every week, <laughs> yeah. which was like refreshing, but now, Wild. yeah, it's like that could have been just due to injury. Um, again, we have a new offense where McDaniel kind of, separated those roles he had he had these two down backs and then he had James White so I do worry about Josh Jacobs hitting 3.6 catches per game a career high uh that he did last year but but what do you think yeah that's a fair point uh with McDaniels coming from the Belichick camp we always have that annoying three running back committee but I think that Jacobs could be a sleeper in this range I I thought his ADP was going to be a bit higher uh, just due to him being a top 10 running back over the final five weeks last season. Um, it certainly helped that Kenny and Drake, uh, you know, unfortunately he suffered that season ending ankle injury. So Jacobs was, you know, forced to be the workhorse back. We all knew he could do it, but like you said, he, he flashed that receiving upside. We all knew he had last year. He had nine games of four plus reception. So, um, you know, they, they declined his fifth year option. Uh, so he has a lot to play for this year. It's a contract year. Um, they probably are counting on Zamir White to be the running back next year. So they have no reason to kind of um, be conservative when it comes to Josh Jacobs touches. Uh, so he could see a healthy dose of touches this year. Um, I, I just think in this range, this is the frozen pond here. Right? I think he has a higher floor than we typically see from an RB 23. So I, I think he's a sleeper in this range, especially just given how good the passing offense should be. I think that's going to open things up in the running game, possibly set him up for more easy goal line scores. So I, I like Jacobs at RB 23. Yeah. I think the, I think I like him the most in standard and like goes from there. Like I, I think he could have like uh like Garrett blunt season in him, like 20 touchdowns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like one of those just like, yeah. like I mean, that's the coordinator we're talking. That's, that's what yeah. McDaniels has been and that. That fits Jacobs role perfectly. And Again, he's in this offense where everyone's going to get open. Derek Carr has proven that when he's in a good system, he can deliver and play well. And so I think you're going to have a lot of touchdown opportunities. The defense might even be a little bit better. Who knows? Um, so, you know, I, I think the touchdown upside is high, but I do worry about the pass game involvement. I think Drake will mm-hmm. still be back. Uh, there's, 
Brandon Bolden is there and oh, you know, boy. Daniel loves him. <laughs> you know, so there we go. <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, I, I like Dula, to, but yeah, Bolden makes sense with McDaniels, but yeah, that, yeah. Oh, Bolden's making the roster. He's he, even yeah. if he never gets a touch or a snap, he's on offense, he's he's mm-hmm. gonna make the roster as a special team, I'm pretty sure. But um, no, no, yeah, I think I think Drake is the big one to pay attention to. As long as he's recovering, uh, I think there's a chance, you know. Drake just gets that James White role. Um, it would make sense. I mean, White was similar player at this point in their careers. You know, I, I, I don't see why he couldn't slide into that. But that Jacobs, I still could see him getting like, you know, 18 carries per, per week and like averaging close to a touchdown per game, you know, something like that if the offense is humming. So uh, I see where you're going with the, with the and I, I'm I'm projecting him for around 2.2 receptions a game. Nothing crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I'm factoring that in as well. And 2.2 catches a game with with his, you know, 15 carries a game that's you know rb19 let's say with with uh increased touchdown upside given Devonte adams yep yep yeah and he's had he had 12 uh two years ago nine last year yep uh on the ground still hasn't caught one uh so we're still waiting for his first receiving touchdown <laughs> Due for but, some regression there positive right. regression now i'm telling you the garrett blunt sony michelle at their best you know, i would love that that's the that yeah that's the upside yep. here so like josh jacob especially in standard and a half ppr uh who else is we've got Demarcus Robinson here. We don't really need to talk about him, right? He's, <laughs> well, he they, well, they they brought in Keelan Cole, so we got a camp battle there, right? Between no. those two, no, you're not. I, actually, Demarcus Robinson would be the best thing possible for yes, Adams yes. from Waller. Just a guy out there keeping defenses honest, but not drawing a single target, right? Yeah, he's just like he's just like. <laughs> He just like draw to draw a, a warm body on the defense. As a, <laughs> yeah, just to keep him honest, exactly. Yeah, just so just so make sure we 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 got uh, <laughs> we get, we got only ten guys to deal with for our the rest of these guys. Um, yeah, so we're not going to talk about him. Keelan Cole, I think he'll probably be a a, a special teamer. I think Robinson's probably the, in, the guy they intend to start. I mean, let's remember in New England they had like remember they had Demiri Bird and Nelson Aguilar. They love guys who like run routes and don't get targets. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for us for the AFC West. Uh, we'll keep these coming next week. Uh, be sure to leave us a five star on Apple or Spotify. If you enjoyed the pod, you can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon and you can find us at those same handles on the free award winning action network app, uh, actionnetwork.com for our betting content. And uh, also check out fantasylabs.com for our DFS content. Until next time, let's get this money.